Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gluten-Free Voice with Jules. I'm here um, with a very special guest and I'm very excited about the opportunity to introduce you to her because she has just started on a journey that many of you either have gone on yourselves, know someone who's going on, or are going on it at the same time. And I think that the opportunity to bring this audio diary to you is going to be very helpful in your journey and in those that you might be talking to through your support groups or through even your physician network. And I think bringing Jessica on today is going to be a really interesting um, show because we're starting the journey literally this week. Jessica is a friend of mine who happened to find out her daughter was diagnosed with celiac disease this week. She had the positive blood test. She's going to have the endoscopy next week for a confirmation of the diagnosis. But bringing Jessica on here is an opportunity for us to talk about all the emotions that happen to a mom or anyone who is going through this process and to openly sort of discuss those so that other people going through it understand that it's natural, it's normal, and um, it's scary in lots of ways. And so I'm going to just introduce Jessica and we'll start talking about what happened this week and um, also talk about some things that people have said on Facebook and Twitter, um, writing in suggestions and questions, bringing some of those in. So if you want to call in, the number is 347-202-0199, and we would try to get to some of your questions. Otherwise, if you're listening to this on podcast, please feel free to correspond on Facebook, Jules Gluten-Free Flower, um, if you have any questions about this episode or would like to... Um, send any special messages to Jessica. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Jessica. Hello. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Thank you for agreeing to come on because I think, honestly, this you are going through a process right now that is very normal, but it's also very scary. And everyone who's been diagnosed or finds out that they need to go on a gluten-free diet for one reason or another, whether it's celiac disease or something else, they go through this emotional roller coaster. So just briefly explain, how did you get on this wild ride? Um, well, I my middle daughter has, for the last several years, struggled with what we did realize as constipation, chronic constipation. and But it was the encapricis that really kind of got us looking into different things, why is this happening, and, and that has been a whole... Another roller coaster of emotions right. with that, but right. we've and, got and is oh yeah, sorry. The, no, um, basically, she has poop accidents right. in, in her pants, un, uncontrollable and sure. often unbeknownst to her right. at the time. Right, um, which um, she just turned six this week. And very happy big birthday. Week, very big week for her. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but she, um, that actually, yeah, the day before her birthday, but she's six now. And obviously that is a huge social, that and caprices. And, and we just gave that its name really this summer too. So, um, and because of that, you had not yeah. been a member of a pool. Right. And play no. dates were a little yeah, awkward. No, we hardly, I hardly ever let her go to friends' houses. I prefer to have her at our house. Sure. So that I can monitor. And so, then now she's school age. Yes. So lots of nervousness about yes, that. Yes, and she is too. She feels my, you know. Sure, so. sure. So we've been at every angle. We've gone the psychological, the behavioral, and this summer started going to a GI doctor. And at, at 
first they, they didn't even suggest the blood, blood work. She said that was kind of an alternative. Let's try some other things, and then let's do the blood work if we're still having problems. And we still were having problems, and I just called her outright instead of waiting till October and just said, can we just do the blood work to rule it out? And you're saying the blood work for celiac. For celiac and thyroid also. She okay. checked both. Uh-huh. And so I was very shocked. As you know, we were together. <laughs> Which we'd never run together I, before, but we've been friends for a long time. We were running together, and I was extremely shocked when her doctor called and said that she tested, in her words, very high blood work for celiac. Mm-hmm. So, and and before that, you know, we had talked about the gluten free diet as well yes. as a possible yes. alternative to just you know naturally see if her body maybe would respond well yes. to a gluten free diet. So yes. we had introduced the concept, but yes. didn't really think necessarily that she had celiac disease, right. just merely that there might be an intolerance going on. Which yes. um, I was those, planning to yeah, do gluten I, gluten free light. I was going to call it. <laughs> I was going to do gluten free with her, but let her cheat every once in a while. Right. So, Right. And I don't think we'll be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're out running. Yep. First day of school. You're very nervous yep. because she's in a new school yep. and she has these issues that have been unresolved. And so you took your phone with you, which I said, why are you running with your phone? Yeah. And you said, well, just in case there's a problem with school, I want to have my phone. And it rang. And that's when you got the message that she had tested really high for her sea life blood work. So the next steps were you kind of being very overwhelmed, which is natural. <laughs> yes, I had a very direct, immediate response. <laughs> um, tears, but you not even. I, yeah, and I and I wasn't. And it's funny because the people that I've told about this, most people are like, "I'm so sorry," and I don't even know that sorry is the right right thing. But you know, and and that was kind of, I don't know. Am I sorry? Am I glad that we're getting to some answers? Right. You know, I I don't know, but yes, it's been sort of right up and down. I think I think sorry is is a really interesting thing to say to somebody with that because you think, well, you're saying my child is sick or they have a disease or something, right. but your child already had these symptoms that were unresolved, right. and if simply changing her diet would resolve these other issues and lead so she could lead a normal life, yes. Then there's absolutely nothing to be sorry about. Right. And, but I think because celiac disease is called a disease, obviously yeah. people think immediately, "Oh my God, this is a terrible thing." Whereas, once you get to know about the disease and the educational piece behind it, it's much more. Uh, you can actually approach it as this is actually a relief because now we know it's wrong right. and we can fix it and we don't have to have her medicated heavily or, you know, using suppositories or, you know, doing all these things for the rest of her life that would inhibit her socially. Right. So, it, it, but it's not surprising that yeah. people would say that, you know, right out without knowing. And I don't even think people are being mean. It's no. just, you know, uh, right. I don't know. We don't know how we feel either. Sure. So. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, so you, yeah. you hear this from the doctor. What's yeah. the next step? So um, the doctor said uh, two important things. One is the endoscopy, which, you know, we wanted to schedule as soon as possible. Um, And then she did mention that, you know, once those come back, then we'll move forward with the nutritionist to get the gluten-free diet, Mm -hmm. which, of course, I wanted to start immediately if that's (laughs) going to make her better, but I know I cannot. And then the um, other really important thing that she mentioned was about testing the rest of the family members. Right. Um, we have two other children, and then my husband and myself. Right. So. 
Well, and I'm very glad that she said those things because we had talked yeah. about that anyway, and you were yeah. on top of that. But it's yeah. good to hear when physicians actually she, are, are yeah. really good about that. Um, did she tell you that you needed to stay, and the whole family before testing needed to stay on a gluten-free diet? Yes. She said to resume our, you know, just keep our normal diet. Right. Um, which, you know, is difficult because I'm now with a little, even just a tiny bit of information, I feel like, Goodness, it's just doing more damage to her, but we will remain until we're finished with the testing. Which is why you yes. want to get that endoscopy as soon as possible. Yes. And your other kids are scheduled for blood work, blood work. as yes. are you and your yes. husband. Yes. And, you know, the, the statistics around that are that there's a 25% chance of someone else in your immediate family having celiac disease if, you know, you or another member of your immediate mm-hmm. family has it. But you need to look outside of that family realm as well. And that's where it gets a little tricky. I know in my family, for example, my grandfather was diagnosed with celiac disease when he was 81 years old. Well, he would never have heard of, um, you know, getting tested for celiac because his doctor had never mentioned it. And just because I had it and my mom has it doesn't mean that there's any reason that generation should think about it. Mm-hmm. But there, it does sort of, you start thinking about it, you start looking around at your family, your mm-hmm. aunts and uncles, your cousins, you start thinking maybe this is the root of some other problems that are happening. And that's, Interesting, because having that conversation with your family members doesn't always go so well. Have you talked to people in your family about this and what's going on? Actually, just our immediate, just um, parents, both my husband and my parents and um, our brothers, just immediate Mm -hmm. family at this time. And all we've really told them is that this is what came back on her, and we're all getting tested, and if we we are positive, you know, maybe they want to also, Mm so... Maybe they will anyway. I'm not. We haven't gotten to that point. Yeah, yeah, right. But, but we did alert. You know, just the immediate family. Mm-hmm. But but I think a lot about my extended family, cousins and aunts and uncles, and I mean it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Affecting others. Right. Well, so you guys are scheduled for blood work and the endoscopy for next week. And you know we've talked about you know the different possibilities of things that could come out of that. What is your thinking about you know like I know your head's spinning with all of the stuff that's going on right now and your your worries and your concerns, but what what are you thinking right now about all of this testing and the possible results of things? I know day-to-day changes. Minute to minute. No, no. <laughs> Truly, today I am in complete denial. I feel that Ab- Abigail will have the endoscopy on Tuesday and it will come back and be negative, you know, that everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am I guess that's kind of where I am today, that I just feel like, well, it was probably a fluke right. of some sort. Right. But I don't even know that that's possible. But that's kind of where I am today, mm-hmm. that maybe it will not be. And mm-hmm. then, gosh, then I'll feel silly that I sort of got all worked up right. and thought, like, of how I was going to change my kitchen. And, right. You know, <laughs> but... but I guess that's where I am today. But probably in my deepest heart, I know that it won't. And her doctor seemed to think that her levels were high enough that she would be surprised if she wouldn't test positive on the endoscopy, too. Right. And but that's natural. It's absolutely natural. Now, you talked to your physician, um, your daughter's physician, about doing the endoscopy. And um, we talked beforehand about the number of biopsies that need to be taken. Mm -hmm. And the recent studies that have shown that only 37% of physicians are taking the requisite amount of biopsies. Now, you know, you understand Abigail's got to be sedated, and they go in through her mouth 
to do the endoscopy, and you think once they're in there, they should, you know, get as many as possible, yeah. right? Yeah. But they don't always do that. Um, and that they need to take at least five or six biopsy samples. And did you have that conversation with her physician? Yes. And really only because I knew you and you had, I had read that mm-hmm. previously, but I did ask her outright. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask, are you going to do five or six? I just said, how many will you mm-hmm. be taking? And she said six. That's so great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because the, the, the absolute, you know, when you take six samples, it doubles the likelihood of getting a correct diagnosis. So can you imagine going through all of that and then having, you know, not the correct diagnosis? And it's still possible. For, for human error in the reading and of not getting the right, you know, portion of the upper intestinal tract to sample, that's always a possibility. Um, you know, they do the best that they can, and we'll yeah. just have to wait and see what the results show. Well, and she also did mention that they do with the camera that kind of looks. So, I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully there will not be. She's right. only six years old. Hopefully there not will not be significant right. damage, but I guess hopefully with the two. Right, right. Yeah, and and that's what you have to hope for, too, is that it's been caught in time, which is one of the first things that I said to you, which is having your child diagnosed at this early age is actually so many blessings lopped on to one another because when you're diagnosed later on in life, and that's several of the comments that I got about this when I was posting it on Facebook and Twitter, so many people said, thank God she has found out early because I didn't find out early. I found out later in life after all kinds of problems developed because your body is so weakened by having an active autoimmune disease. And that happened to me as well. And But when you're on a gluten-free diet, and especially if it's caught early, she should leave a completely normal life. And that's the blessing of the whole thing. So hopefully when they go in there, that they won't see a lot of damage. Right. Um, and, and as you've told me before, Abby has chosen not to eat very much gluten. <laughs> now that I look back on her choices and now that I'm looking for gluten-free foods, I, I think back and, gosh, it, it hopefully won't be a super difficult transition for her because a lot of the choices she does make are... Low gluten, I guess. <laughs> right, right. Gluten <laughs> well, light. Gluten <laughs> light. What you're going to do anyway. Um, well, so her body has already been talking to her but, yeah. on some level. I, I, I do believe that mm-hmm. now looking back that there may have, yeah, yeah, she's already trying to help herself. Right. And it's really, it's fascinating to think about that. It and, you know, because our bodies do talk to us, and even even at a younger age, and you just sort of know, you gravitate to things in a lot of ways that are better or worse for you. You know, right. not always, but right. obviously that's part of it. Part of it. Right. right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's 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 really truly a blessing that you found out as early as you yeah. did, and even if the biopsy results next week come back, um, you know, undetermined or somewhat hazy about what's going on, you know, we have talked about too about you know she's already having all these issues, so. Right. Whether or not you get a firm diagnosis of celiac, you were going to try a gluten-free diet and see whether or not, or not it made a difference. Yes, and, we were going to. Right. I mean. and, and so how is that going to look for your family? Let's, let's, say that, let's say nobody else has any medically diagnosed reason to be on a gluten-free diet. What, what is your family, what are you thinking about for your family? What's that going to look like if Abby's the only one who has to eat gluten-free? And obviously there's... There's many different possibilities right. here that you're dealing with because right. you do have five members of your immediate family. So, you know, but you've got three young children. Yeah. You're a busy mom. You know, your husband comes home and, and you have very limited time. And, you know, so what are you thinking that that's going to look like for your family? Um, well, I think that is probably at this point the, what I'm the most nervous about mm-hmm. um, is 
I feel like I don't already have time to put things together. And we do rely on a fair amount of process, mm-hmm. you know, quickie kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, but our plan is, you know, my husband and I have talked about it, to basically all kind of go gluten-free and just keep it because I do think I, I wouldn't want, if Abby's the only one affected, I certainly wouldn't want her to feel like she's eating this special thing and the rest of her family. She'll already feel that way at school during parties and right. things like that. So our plan is, is to make our home gluten-free and mm-hmm. eating gluten-free in the house. So but it's going to probably be a big yeah. <laughs> overhaul. Yeah. Just looking through my cabinets this week and right. just thinking through things and and things that I hadn't thought about. Cutting boards, the toaster, mm-hmm. you know, um, knives, just all of that kind of stuff, pans, pots and pans and, and things and, and preparing things. And for good or bad, we do eat out a fair amount mm-hmm. and order pizza, you know, last right. minute, the scramble. And um, so that will all right. significantly change. Um, so that is very daunting right now. Right, yeah, and that's but, natural. I mean, again, I think you're not going through any concerns or emotions that are are not appropriate at this right. time. I mean, anyone making the transition, and especially when you're talking about your child as opposed to yourself. You know, we all, as parents, you know, you tend to take care of them first, you know, instead of putting your face mask, you know, airbag on first. <laughs> but um, we need to, and and it's hard to, to make that transition and to think about it. But there are lots of really, really, you know, easy ways to do it. We'll, you know, go through all of that and, and make the transition, make sure that you're not getting cross-contamination because that's, right. That's the really the crux of the matter is, you know, it doesn't do any good, unfortunately, with celiac disease to go gluten light, as you right. said, or to, um, you know, to do the gluten-free but still get contamination because your body does not know that it's only a little bit of contamination. It's still getting contamination. So and those are all things that we'll have to, you know, walk through and make sure that, you know, your transition is, is firm and that you don't have issues with that. But as we said, even in our own community, there is a pizza parlor that has a gluten-free pizza. And so you can still have that sort of experience with your family where you can go out. And and her favorite place that you guys went for, you know, her dinner for her birthday is a Mexican place. That's a good thing. That's really good because Mexican is much easier than some other styles of food to, you know, actually eat out safely. So that's all manageable. It just seems daunting right now. And I guess it's going to take me a while to trust other people at this point. I don't even trust myself to be able to do it yeah. because I haven't done anything. But it's going to take a while to trust other people, to give them instructions like, okay, she can do this or can't do that, to to know that in the back of the kitchen, are you really going to do that? Because I'm not going to know. It's not like an allergy that she has an immediate reaction. Exactly. It's just hurting her body inside and you don't know mm-hmm. on the outside. So I think that trust issue is going to be hard I have to get confidence in myself, but then to go out, sure, too. sure, and then starting school too. You know, you talk about the snacks and yeah. the lunch and the parties and things like that. But and, and the temptation as a child, like, absolutely, is she gonna? How can I instill in her that this is really important? It's not just us giving you this rule that you should break. Because mm-hmm. again, you won't know. It's, it'll hurt your body on the inside, and but I don't want to scare her either. Right, she's little, but. You know, will there be, like, the peer pressure of, oh, just have a cupcake. It's not going to, you know. Right. So right. that'll be interesting, too. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I'm, all these more things. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. 
natural. But, you yeah. know, I think um, one of the things that is going to be really important to Abby is to grow up with that mindset, and then she will not veer later because that's the way it's always been for her. Um, and, but, you know, you've already had conversations with her about gluten-free, and it's so cute. I mean, she's already asking questions and taking an interest in it, which I think bodes really well for how she'll handle it. Well, and and our other our older daughter, the the little ones just two, but the older one um, has been sort of excited about it too, and like, are we all going to go gluten free? And you know, and of course, I mean, she they know you, and so they you know, so we are extremely fortunate to have that so close to us. I know not everyone has that, but you know, they they already see it as a cool thing to do, yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> You know, and I know once we come up with some of their favorites, I mean, they are macaroni and cheese Mm -hmm. addicts. Yep. And, you know, that'll be something that, you know, we'll have to come up. But, you know, the little rainbow cake that you had (laughs) made, I mean, yeah, perfect. Yeah. So once they know, and actually I did go on some of the websites and Pinterest and things, and I was showing them pictures. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we can have that. We can have that. So, you know, I think once we get going and it's not such a, Focusing on the what they can't have, but exactly. what they can, and there's a lot. Exactly. We're happy M and M's. Yes, still <laughs> in the rotation. Yeah, yeah, and um, and Halloween's coming up, so we'll go over those candies. Yeah. But there's tons of candies that are safe for them. So yeah. there's there are so many options now that it's much easier and much more socially acceptable too, yeah. because of you know uh, peanut allergies sort of paving the way for that, but also because of the awareness of gluten free and celiac disease. I think there's a lot more acceptance and understanding where there'll be less temptation for another parent to say, oh, well, just have half a sandwich or, you know, that kind of thing. It's not it's not going to be as hard to explain that to modern-day parents as it would have been, you know, 20 years ago or even when I was diagnosed, which is almost 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm getting older. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it, the transition is going to be – you know, it, it will be smooth, but it will be a process. But, you know, you and I were talking about it. It's like this time next year, you're probably going to look back and go, oh, it's so easy. You know, right. it's just becomes natural. But right now you have all these questions floating around your head, keeping you up at night. And, you know, when you first, you know, came in today, you said, oh, my goodness, I'm so worried about, you know, her making her first communion. Yes. And it's these things like that that you don't think I about. I never thought about that because I was reading – I've been reading through your book when I'm up at night worrying. I just pick up the book, yeah. and it's a very good read in that way because it keeps me very yeah. energized. But um, And that really struck me today about the communion wafers. I never thought about that. And even just visualizing her, maybe even for her first communion, it can be, but every week it's important to our family to go to church and mm-hmm. to receive communion is an important part of our faith. And I can't even begin to know right. how we're going to figure that right. out, but we will. Right. No, you will. And, in fact, um, I actually have a, not just in the book, the First Year Celiac Disease and Living Gluten-Free book that you're talking about, but on my blog I have a huge post all about gluten-free communion wafers. Oh. And the Catholic Church has come around, and it, you need to talk to your priest and make sure that your parish is okay with it. But there is a um, group of Benedictine sisters here in the United States that actually manufactures what they call a low-gluten host. So it's still technically made with wheat, which is the the Catholic, you know, um, bylaws basically say you've got to have some wheat in there. But they test it, and it's less than 20 parts per million gluten, which is technically safe for someone with celiac disease, according to the science at present. So she will still be able to take communion. It will be a different host that they will have to order for her from the Benedictine sisters. But 
I guarantee you if you have more than 100 people in your church, then somebody else in that church has celiac disease. And a lot more people in that church need a gluten-free wafer even if they don't have celiac disease. They have gluten intolerance or other issues. So if, you know, if you're the one to raise it, then more power to you, but it's going to help more than just your daughter. So there are absolutely ways to get around everything. It's a process, but you are the type of person who will, you know, take charge and take control of it, and, you know, you'll handle it beautifully, she'll handle it beautifully, and you have support. Now, again, yes, we're friends, and that's fantastic. I'm so glad I can be there for you. For anyone else listening, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not maybe necessarily in your neighborhood, but that book that Jessica was talking about called The First Year Celiac Disease and Living Gluten-Free is a fantastic resource for anyone going gluten-free or their family members going gluten-free for any reason. But I would also encourage you to look for support groups in your area. There are celiac support groups that are all over the country. In the back of that book, there's actually a listing Um, but you can go online as well and search for them. And a lot of folks are are finding great comfort in a group called Raising Our Celiac Kids, ROCK, R-O-C-K, Kids. And there are other kids' groups as well where they organize activities around, um, you know, fun things for the kids to do and eat safely. And I did a whole um, radio show and a blog post on gluten-free kids' camps as well. So around the country there are summer camps where the kids do everything everyone else does, only they happen to have gluten-free food at the camp. And it's a great way for a kid to grow up with a whole bunch of other kids just like them, and they don't feel different, and they don't feel weird or ostracized or like they're missing something. So there's lots of opportunities like that for kids. And that's what you have to focus on is all the good stuff like that, not all the bad stuff. But I know you're overwhelmed right now, and we'll have to wait and see what happens with all this testing that your family is going through in the next week. We'll have to come back and talk about what the results are. And I mean, because any, any of us, right. the rest of the four of us, could be. Right. Um, well, and, and again, just to explain that just one step further, because a lot of physicians either don't understand it or don't explain it well to the patient, the blood test that you're talking about, the rest of the family getting that, that Abby had already had and tested positive and high, indicating celiac disease, it's testing for antibodies in reaction to gluten. Well, if you don't have celiac disease, your body doesn't produce those particular antibodies that, that they were testing for, which is why they say that's an indicator for celiac disease. But you have to be eating gluten, obviously, for your body to produce those antibodies in order to test positive. And if you test negative now, that does not mean that later on you wouldn't test positive, and it does not necessarily mean that you don't have celiac disease now. It's a first-level indicator. I've not heard of anyone having a false positive from that, but I have heard of lots of false negatives from that. So I would tell anyone listening, if you've had the blood work and it tested negative, A, you know, I'm not trying to tell you you have celiac disease. I have no idea. But you could have celiac disease. And that does not mean you should not also have it done later if you still have symptoms because you could have celiac disease that develops later on. And uh, 30 to 40% of the population has the genes for celiac disease. That does not mean 30 to 40% of the population has celiac disease. They have to be turned on. It's an autoimmune disease that has to be triggered some way to turn that gene on. But it could happen at any point in your life. You know, I don't know whether my grandfather's celiac disease got turned on when he was 80 years old or when he was 20 years old. I don't know that, and I'll never know that. But it could have been flipped on at 80 instead of having been there all of his life. Mine, 
was turned on, so to speak, when I was in college. I got very sick when I was in college, and I never got better. And for over 10 years, I was very sick, and no one could figure out what was wrong with me. That does not mean I had active celiac disease before I was in college. Had I been tested before that, it would have been negative. So at some point in your life, you could still develop celiac disease. And so you have to be really rigorous about maintaining, you know, a good baseline for your health. If you're feeling good now and you're not feeling good later, that might be an indication. If you're not feeling good now and you feel better on gluten-free diet, that might be an indication. You just sort of have to be really in tune with yourself and your body and your family as well and know that even if all of you test negative now, that doesn't mean later on that you won't have it. We might not know, sorry. No. But we might not know. I guess that's another fear that I have is that we might never know. Right. Because then if we're doing gluten-free, eating gluten-free. But the the flip side of that, which is actually a good thing, Mm -hmm. is let's say that you all test negative now and you go on a gluten-free diet and and you're religiously gluten-free. You're not going to turn that gene on. It will never be expressed because you have to be eating gluten and then the trigger has to occur as well in order for that gene to be expressed. So because you know the gene, if she is truly celiac, the gene is in your family somewhere, and you all go on a gluten-free diet and nobody has active celiac right now, you will not have celiac disease unless later on you eat gluten. And then there is also a trigger, which is what we don't know. We talked about on our run, a lot of women are diagnosed with celiac disease after pregnancy because it's this issue, you know, your body is under so much stress with pregnancy and nursing that that, that is when the gene is turned on. It, it becomes expressed at that point and you develop celiac disease. Um, a lot of children develop celiac disease when they're very ill. You know, they get like a really bad flu or pneumonia or something like that and their bodies are just racked by that virus or the bacteria and they then, the stress on the body somehow turns on that gene that gives them the celiac disease as well. So, you know, later on in life, if they're eating gluten and there's some trigger of some sort, which, again, we don't know, which is why they're doing all this research on it, what is the trigger? What could trigger it? That Those two things have to happen with the gene in order to turn it on. So you keep an eye on things, and, and obviously if, they're, if they test negative now, you have to make a decision when they go to school, do you want to let them eat gluten in school? Do you want to let them eat gluten when they're at friends' houses? Or are they going totally gluten-free? That's your decision as a parent. That's, you know, kind of what you have to think about. And um, different families do different things. One, Someone who posted on um, my Facebook page said that when she went gluten-free that she, her husband used to take out the rest of the family once a week for subs. Like, she didn't go, but everybody else would go out once a week and have gluten subs. But then when they were home, they ate gluten-free. So, you know, these are different things you need to sort of work through in your mind depending on what the results of the tests are and how that works or doesn't work for your family. I would completely advocate for what you've already said you wanted to do, which is the whole family goes gluten-free, at least in the house around Abigail. Because especially for kids, you know, to have to feel different, to feel like an outsider or to be, you know, not discriminated against, certainly in the family, but to feel like everyone else gets something you don't get and you're almost being punished because they have the macaroni and cheese you used to love and I can't have it. And, you know, that's not a good situation for a kid to be in. It's not a good situation for anyone to be in, but especially not for a child. But what they do outside of the home is what you have to decide as a parent, you know, depending on what the results are of the testing and, you know, sort of going forward what you feel like is best for them. 
because, you know, you might find later on that if they go on a gluten-free diet and then any time they get gluten, they don't, you know, they have start having other issues as well. They may or may not have celiac disease, but maybe gluten doesn't appeal to their systems for some reason. So, you know, you have to figure that out and, and but work it, it in. But it doesn't change there by them going on a gluten-free, no. uh, gluten-free no. as children. It wouldn't change any of their later in life making them more sensitive. Or it, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, there has been no research um, to show that going on a gluten-free diet um, would make you more likely the next time you ate gluten to, you know, have celiac disease. There's been nothing like that that's been shown. So I know just from, you know, I travel around the country and teach classes and, and talk to people all over the country about what they're doing for their families, and I know a lot of people have sort of been in a situation where one of their children has celiac, they put the whole family on a gluten-free diet because of the family unit needing to support one another and all that, but for them making the decision that because my other kids might get celiac, because I know it runs in our family, I don't want them to ever get it, and so I'm not going to expose them to gluten. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Not everybody does that, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's what some people have done. Other people have said, you know, my other kids don't have it. They can do whatever they want when they're outside of the house. My husband eats, you know, whatever he wants to when he's outside, you know, but when we're home around this child, we, we all eat together, which is, you know, it makes sense emotionally, but it also makes sense financially and for your time. You know, if you had to make two different dinners for every time, I mean, can you imagine? You know, that's expensive and takes way too much time. So it just doesn't make sense anyway, but then the emotional piece is just so important for kids. But if they, if I can just say this again, yeah. reader, but if they test, say the two other girls test negative, it, it I mean, it, it could be false negative, or it could be that it's not activated right. at this time, but doing the gluten-free diet would prevent it from becoming activated. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. She said, okay. Yeah. It's a, there's a lot to digest, you know, literally but they could and cheat, But if they're cheat, mm-hmm. like if they cheat when mm-hmm. they're at a mm-hmm. friend's house or at school, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll call it cheat because, you know, sure. it's no, not I get cheat. It. <laughs> but if they do yeah. have, you know, regular cupcake at school, mm-hmm. That would be some gluten, though, and then that could activate it mm-hmm. at any time. Right. But, you know, when you, it is. It's very confusing, and there there hasn't been enough research really to show, okay. you know, well, but they're getting less gluten, so maybe the likelihood would be less that it would be expressed. Yeah. I, I can't tell you that. I mean, on one level, that sort of makes sense to me, but I don't know that that's true, you know. But it's not harming them in it any way. It is not harming them in any way. It's very upsetting to me to I, – I see news reports and, and things like that talking about the gluten-free diet is so unhealthy and don't go on a gluten-free diet if you don't have celiac disease and all that. I am not out there telling everybody to go on a gluten-free diet. That is not what I'm here for. Gluten-free diet is not for everyone. But if you choose a gluten-free diet for whatever reason, you know, because it makes you feel better or because you have celiac disease or because whatever, if you're choosing a gluten-free diet, that does not mean you're inherently eating an unhealthy diet. It is very easy to eat healthily on a gluten-free diet. If you simply are substituting a gluten-containing Oreo for a gluten-free Oreo, you are not eating a healthy diet. So if you just are simply processed food from one to the other, you're not eating healthy. But if you take the opportunity to eat more whole foods, to eat naturally, to you know eat less processed foods, but to actually be cognizant of where your nutrition is coming from, you can eat an extremely healthy diet if it's gluten-free. 
And that's what much healthier than a lot of people because you know we all fall in this rut where we're busy, we don't have time. You know, making from scratch. I've never baked. I have no idea. But if you start doing that and you take time to learn to do it and you involve your children in the process, it can be so much fun to make gluten-free cookies together or to make homemade pizzas on pizza night. You know, all of that can be so much fun and wonderful. But you're also looking at every individual ingredient and going, do I really want to put that in my kids' bodies? You know, and then you can you can take the time to add extra flax meal to the pizza crust, and you know, and up their you know protein and omega threes and whatever. You're doing that for your family, and and that's you know it's it's very empowering in so many ways to go on a gluten free diet like that because you're taking control of your health without medicines, without prescriptions, without outside influence, and you're reading every single label. You're going back to the basics. You're involving the family in food choices and food making decisions and the process. And it's really it's a really neat opportunity to sort of go, let's get refocused here on what's really important and do it ourselves. You know, do it the way that works for us. Yeah. So I think it's exciting. You need to look at the positives yes. of that. <laughs> no, and, it is. And, and and we were moving that way right. and I, you know, we try to get our produce locally mm-hmm. and our milk locally, you know, and Right. We've been moving that way anyway, but it's just that last little bit. So I think you need to make sure to create more freezer-friendly recipes for all of <laughs> okay. us, Jules. All right, I'll so get that on it. Can, <laughs> yeah. That we can know what we can prepare mm-hmm. when we have time and throw it in the freezer. Right. But. <laughs> yeah, no, all right. I'll make a note right now that I need to make more freezer-friendly <laughs> recipes. No, we have talked about some of those, the yeah. pizza, the ravioli, yeah. like all of those things are really nice to have stuck in your freezer. And they're, it can be very cheap to make that stuff, too. Like it does not have to be super expensive. I know if you go to the grocery store and buy gluten-free ravioli, it's like, wow, that's really expensive. But if you make it yourself, it's not really expensive, and then you can put whatever you want to in it. And, you know, sometimes you have problems getting your kids to eat something. Well, if they help make it, then they're much more likely to eat it. So, like, in my family with ravioli, um, if my kids stuff the ravioli with whatever they want in it, they will eat the ravioli, you know. And so, and we actually treat it as leftover night. If we've grilled vegetables or something like that, that goes in the ravioli and we clean out the refrigerator, you know. So there's lots of things like that that you'll just sort of learn. The tortillas, the flour tortillas we talked about. We do lots of taco night at our house and making burritos. Yeah, love the Mexican food. (laughs) Yeah. So lots of things like that. There's, There's lots of options. And um, it's just, like I said to you, and we'll walk through this more um, as we go along, but you need to make a list of your family's favorite meals, their favorite lunches, their favorite snacks, and we're going to figure out a solution for each one of those because you shouldn't have to give up those things. You're just making a substitution. And then the transition will be much more seamless. Yeah. We well, can thank, do it. Thank, we can do it. Thank you for coming on today. Thank I can't you. wait to hear, like, the next uh, installment where we are with this. Yeah. But um, I think you're doing all the right things. You're being you. proactive. You're asking questions. You're looking on the Internet for answers. You're reading books. You're talking to people who know. You're doing everything you can possibly do for your family. And I know it's so hard, this time period between now and when you do, you know, after the endoscopy, because, you know, you feel like you're poisoning your, your child in this interim. And I know that's just, like, heartrending. But it's, well, and the other two, because just having their blood work done, it, like, sort of elongates the whole process. But I know. Day at a time. Deep breath. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And know that you're doing all the right yeah. things. And feel good about the fact that your children are very young mm-hmm. and that this is something you're tackling now rather than much later after other problems develop. Yes, we are grateful for that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very and, much for um, We'll have me. to track this process yes. and see how it's going. But thank you, and all the best to you and the girls, and thank you, your hubby. Thank and you. We'll check in with you soon. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. Bye.